we have talked about morality a lot um, from the reasoning perspective. In this case, what we were writing about is more from the motivational perspective. And so my um, approach to intentional systems theory was an ideal fit for this volume, although it um, is a little unusual relative to other things in the volume. Um, but basically, that paper, um, is, I took on the case of arguing that adolescents are able to participate in civil discourse around the idea of education as a basic human right. So I picked a particular human right, uh, the right to an education, and then explored that in depth with adolescents um, in terms of how they think about this. And so I used a theory that basically says, you know, civil discourse can is comprised of three parts. One is relational ties. Relational ties are things of like how institutions form relationships with each other. I know that sounds a little strange, but inanimate things do um, connect to each other. Legal systems, for example, connect with schools. Um, and then um, we asked about, uh, you know, civil discourse involves the institutional structures. So what makes an ideal school an ideal school is relevant to education as a basic human right. Um, and then the third dimension to civil discourse involves personal motives. Some motives are ideal, some other are destructive. And so what I asked adolescents to do was this level of very abstract reasoning um, by grounding relational ties, first of all, in terms of themselves and their personal life goals. How do they see themselves coordinating local and global possibilities? both in the current in their current life and in their future, so proximally and distally. Um, and we use that to say, you know, what relational ties can adolescents name about their connection to society? Um, and then a middle part of this um, intentional system looked at students' beliefs about an ideal school. That included things like what they thought were fair procedures for classrooms, how teachers should help students sustain motivation, uh, what sorts of epistemologies or types of knowledge should be covered in school, and then what sorts of strategies should schools help students learn. And then the third dimension of this intentional model looks at students' action readiness, their readiness to address justice, because it's a human rights issue, their readiness to work hard as an achievement uh, motive, and their readiness to cheat and take shortcuts, which sometimes is a smart thing to do, and sometimes that's a, a problematic thing to do. And so we took um, and conducted, or I conducted a third-person analysis of these collections of beliefs to identify, and I was able to identify um, four different types of civil orientations, if you will, or intentional models um, that are common among adolescents. We played with, I played with this work um, at different age groups in my book, but in this paper I'm really looking at um, freshmen, sophomores, uh, or fre uh, sorry, high school freshmen um, who were between the ages of 14 and 15. Um, and we use that as sort of a stability for starting to play with um, does this model work? Um, and what we found is that for some youth, they uh, embrace a pre-civil. They're not even thinking about human rights. They're really um, 
thinking just about doing what they're told in school. Uh, anti-civil, which are the, you know, disruptors, they're going to um, do things that get them in trouble a lot. Um, and uh, in both cases, we would call those non-civil kinds of orientations. But that was a relatively few relative to the rest of the um, students. And so we found two really strong civil uh, orientations, one being a social outsider. Um, you know, schools are not healthy places for me, and so I'm going to fix it. But they're very active in school. And then the third one is more of a pluralistic, you know, uh, orientation that says there are a lot of different ways to achieve in school, and um, people were celebrating those kinds of different ways of, of achieving the goal of education as a basic human right. Um, the use for this, what we find is that there's a lot of curricular things that teachers can do to help students both understand life goals uh, ideal school beliefs, what are expectations that are occurring in school, and then also um, really celebrating their readiness to act and helping them decide, you know, when is it okay to take shortcuts, for example, or when should they be expected to work hard, and what does it mean to um, act on their justice principles. So how do adolescents become more active in society? as they form, maintain, get involved in groups? That's a really good question. Um, because really, some of my work is very passive. What are they doing um, when I ask them as I enter their space? Well, so I'm a developmental scientist. And one of the things that I know is that there's a lot of physical development going on in adolescence. There's a lot of life experience going on in adolescence. And that um, this process occurs differently for students at different points in the in the adolescent. Um, so early adolescents, for example, are undergoing a lot of brain growth and things like that. Um, and so they are um, they go through a disruption. Actually, things were really comfortable and calm, and then all of a sudden they can't do things they used to be able to do and things like that. That's a little scary. So their intentions are also a little more erratic. Um, as they get a little older, so middle adolescence and then early adulthood, um, what we see is that uh, adolescents start forming more stable intentions. But they're still very open and they're still learning and there's still a lot of room for that. Um, and so what I'm, I uh, am aware of is that society helps adolescents get feedback on um, their beliefs, their desires or wants, and the kinds of things that they do. Um, and that adolescents take that information, they, you know, process it in their own independent ways. Um, sometimes they listen, sometimes they don't. Um, and then um, they use that to help them build groups. So um, who do I want to be in a group with? What kinds of activities do we want to do? Um, they learn a little bit about themselves when they try to form groups because some people will, you know, take up their interests and other people will reject their interests and then they have to figure out how to, you know, find common, common ground with um, other people. But they also start evaluating each other and saying, you know, I want you in my group, I don't want you in my group. Um, likewise, when they're trying to maintain a group, that is, keep it intact, keep my friends together, keep doing the activities that we thought were important. They learn both about themselves and how they appear to others. 
um, and they learn about others and many different possible ways of being. And so one of the researchers that I cite um, talks a lot about possible selves. Um, so I think the maintaining groups is a really great place to explore possible selves because there's some security in being in a group. Um, Adolescents also learn about group biases and evaluating groups. So um, we know that most humans are very good at seeing intra-individual differences when they're evaluating their own group. How am I different from my group members? But they build stereotypes about groups that they're not a member of. And adolescents um, use, you know, opportunities to evaluate groups to, to kind of test these and things like that. Um, educators do help them look at these sorts of biases in schools, um, and I think of those as very useful sorts of things. And, and the final point I want to make is um, that as adolescents look at the same problems from personal, civic, and civil perspectives, that is from their own personal well-being um, or the welfare of their immediate family and friends, versus in light of particular organized social causes that they might involve in, get involved in protests or voting or um, kind of group behaviors that way, or from a civil perspective where they're looking really at how does the world function, how do they promote human rights, how do they instantiate moral principles. Um, if they can look at the same activities from these different perspectives, they can pick and choose what parts of society and public discourse they want to participate in. Um, and so really naming the intentions gives us a way of giving adolescents feedback. It gives us also a way of helping students um, or learning really the gaps in students' thinking so that we can better invite them into particular kinds of social causes and things like that. Thank you.